If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, welcome back to In The Pink with me, Natalie Pinkham and Bose, helping you stay connected through the lockdown and beyond. And staying connected is what we've all been really good at. I've had a lovely time reading through all your messages on Instagram and Twitter and um, your suggestions for other guests and your response to Sir Chris Hoy. Wasn't he brilliant? I love talking to him. Um, I suppose... I love talking to anyone who can impart wisdom and uh, you come away feeling a better person for the experience because he certainly knows how to win. He certainly knows how to deal with triumph and adversity and he has come out smiling every time. So yes, great guest. Thank you, Sir Chris. And my next guest is a man who has been around in Formula One for over five years, having driven for three teams and recently just signed for a fourth. And yet he is still only 25 years old. I am, of course, talking about Spain's Carlos Sainz. And we caught up this week, had a good chat ahead of going back racing in Austria We talked about his childhood, the influences of both his parents, his uncle, his sisters and his cousin. He certainly is a big family man. His relationship with Fernando Alonso and a couple of funny stories on that one and so much more. I really enjoyed talking to Carlos. So here he is, Carlos Sainz on In The Pink. Well, hello. Great to see you. And the, the, the end of the lockdown is near and we're going to go racing again soon. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. Finally, no, it's been a, a while uh, since, yeah, since we last left Australia. It feels at the same time like it was a long time ago, but at the same time like it was yesterday because I have like the memories very, very close to me. And yeah, really looking forward to it. I mean... Yeah, just cannot wait to leave the UK and go racing finally. Are there any are there any nerves? Does it feel like you're starting a kind of a fresh? Or does, do you just want to get out there and race? Um, there's a bit of nerves always. Uh, first race of the year, first race in seven or eight months. I don't know how long it's been since I last raced. So there's for sure more nerves than when you're in the middle of a season, when you're in your 16th, 17th race of a 21 race season. But uh, I think it's positive nerves. It's just encouraging, you know, to, to finally go and go get to go racing. And 
I was looking forward to these nerves. It's like I've been way too relaxed. I, I don't like it. I always like having something to do, something to think about, something to to, to talk about with my engineers. And finally, we've had a good uh, month of preparation and now we're ready. But, you know, you strike me as quite a relaxed person. I think it's in your nature not to get too sort of het up about anything. Would that be fair? I think it's, it's fair, yes. Um, at least people perceive me in that way. Um, my mom tells me and well, my family tells me that I look relaxed, but trust me, in the inside, I am nervous like everyone else. It's just the, the, a bit the, how you are portrayed no? in the way that you are. But uh, I am as nervous as, as anyone else. It's just, I don't know, maybe I look less nervous, but I like this, those nerves. I like feeling in the, those goosebumps and I, and I enjoy them because it's, I actually think it makes you more prepared, so more ready, more agile, more switch on. So you need those nerves for when the race starts or when the qualifying goes. Definitely. You need to harness them, don't you? Uh, right, let's yeah. cast your minds back, uh, our minds back, to your childhood. The little Carlitos, yeah. what kind of kid <laughs> were you growing up? What kind of childhood did you have? I had um, a good childhood. I mean, I cannot complain, uh, especially because I was always doing something that I enjoyed doing, apart from going to school, which I didn't like, like every other kid. I was still getting to do a lot of sports, which I've always enjoyed. I was playing a lot of football, a lot of tennis and go-karting. But I was combining all those three sports, more or less, in classes and time away on the weekends, go-karting. And uh, my dad was always away. Uh, my mom was taking good care of me uh, and my sisters. And then it was basically when I turned 10, 11 years old, when karting started to get a bit more serious. And I've heard you say that actually you're more like your mum than your dad. Because everyone would assume that you're just a mini-me version of him and that you're just following in his tracks. Although obviously you went into racing as opposed to rallying. Just tell us about the dynamic between your parents and you growing up. Yeah, well, you need to think that I've grown up more with my mum than with my dad until I was 11. Uh, my dad was nearly 300 days a year away from home and my mum was taking care of us. Uh, but at the same time, as soon as I started go-karting, then my dad retired from rallying and he started traveling a lot with me. And that's when I got to know my dad, not know, but get more of a relationship with him as we were traveling the world together, go-karting, um, together with my uncle, actually, also. And we, we formed a great relationship since then. And he's, let's say, he's educated me on the racing side and on the athlete side. And since then, I, I start to do the things that worked for him in rallying, uh, being the same kind of profile, let's say, with my own personality, but things that made him a world champion, I always try to learn from them and try to embrace them myself. And, uh, but my personality, actually the inner personality, the raw Carlos is more like my mom, and then the racing Carlos or the athlete side of Carlos is more like my dad, I would say. Hey, so you're like Beyonce. You've got an alter ego, the Sasha Fierce on the stage versus the girl back home. I like that. <laughs> maybe. I've never thought about it like that, but maybe I'm a bit like Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I'm interested in the nature-nurture side of this because um, there's obviously the father-son dynamic um, and relationship is such an incredible one. Um, but 
do you think that you have gone the path you have because you are like your dad in, in so many ways? Or do you think there was that constant presence of what he does and an intrigue as a young boy? Where does my dad go for 300 days a year? I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by it. Uh, I really got to know how big my dad was when he retired. I mean, during while he was racing, I remember going to a couple of rallies, but I didn't know how big he was or how important he was in the world of motorsport. Um, just when he caught his big gathering of people in the center of Madrid, when everyone uh, went out on the streets of the Castellana, Paseo de la Castellana, which is, uh, I don't know, maybe like Piccadilly here or Oxford Street in, uh, in London, um, they closed the city down for him to do some uh, donuts and um, to do an exhibition. And the whole, whole of Madrid went to see him. And that's when suddenly I realized how big my dad was and I was a bit shocked about it. And at that point, um, I started being a bit more curious a bit about his career. What did he do? How? Since then, we started traveling together. And at that point, I really got to know his, yeah, how, how he achieved what he achieved and, and the way he did it. And then, yeah, I tried to learn as much as possible from him. But at the same time, as we are different, bit different personalities, we do things still a bit different. And um, and just trying to keep all the positive things from him, for sure. It's so lovely. Family are clearly very important to you. Um, I, I kind of like the fact that you've stayed uh, in Madrid. I mean, for, for most of your career, that's been your home, hasn't it? With your family and your cousin is your manager. Is it, or it clearly is important to you to have that kind of tight circle around you. How do you think it helps you in the world of F1, um, pressures of racing? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's a Latin thing, but uh, we have kept everything very in family uh, in my career. Uh, my uncle was uh, Juanjo, that is the manager of my was the manager of my dad. He started helping me when I when I started go karting. Then uh, Carlos Caco came in as my manager uh, and is my cousin. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a Latin thing, but um, yeah, I've always lived in. Uh, in Spain, except that when I turned 18, that Helmut Marco asked me to go to live to Milton Keynes. <laughs> well, uh, no offense at, at all to Milton Keynes, but I, I was 18. There was nothing there apart from the simulator and from uh, the Red Bull factory. And I just didn't know what to do in Milton Keynes, an 18-year-old guy, what to do there. And I, it didn't last very long. I lasted maybe one year and a half, two years living there and uh, going to Red Bull simulator and but as soon as I could, I was always looking forward to go back to Madrid. And then uh, since the Renault days, I've lived in the UK. Uh, uh, I've, lived, I've lived in London uh, full time, but always trying on the weekends to go and see my family and, and friends. And is it because you kind of like to get away from the madness of F1 and just recharge the batteries and it's kind of food for the soul being around your family? Or do you end up talking about racing anyway because you're all involved in it? Uh, my conversation at home with my dad normally involves a lot of racing, but um, still, when I go to, to Spain, I have my friends, my girlfriend, I have my, uh, my golf, my good weather. I mean, I, I cannot be more Spanish than what I am, I think. more. Mm-hmm. I, I have my traditions there. I, I have my Sunday lunch with my grandparents. I have my uh, Saturday lunch with my cousins. Uh, we try and go to the countryside. I don't know. I have a very normal 
uh, life in Madrid and I just love going back to there because it reminds me what I've been doing all my life. Uh, but at the same time, I like the work I have. I like living in the UK Monday to Fridays. I, I enjoy being around with the engineers, focusing a lot on my physical preparation. And then as soon as that's done, I pick a flight and I go back to Madrid, but always with the homework done. And that makes me feel more relaxed when I go back home that I've done, I've done my work and I've worked harder than probably anyone out there. Oh, you do? You do believe your work ethic is stronger than anyone else's? That's a bold statement. Uh, I like it, though. Well, yeah, I don't see many other drivers living near a factory, to be honest, a Formula One factory. I see them maybe living in Monaco, Los Angeles, or somewhere around. Uh, and me, personally, I took the decision when I joined McLaren that I wanted to live near the factory um, just because I wanted to, to build a strong relationship with everyone. I, especially on my first year in McLaren, I really needed and wanted to build a strong, a strong bonding with the team, and and um, I think we managed, and and it's paid off. Uh, the first year was really really strong, and now we're looking into a second year, wanting to to continue a positive trend, and and it's not an easy decision to go and live um, uh, near a factory because uh, yeah, I have London 40 minutes away by car, ha half an hour on train, but I really don't get to go to London much, and I and I I like it here. I'm focused. Uh, my trainer Rupert that you know <laughs> nearby that helps me to sort my life out here in the UK and um, Monday to Thursday flat out training and preparation simulator meetings etc and then on Thursdays I shoot off to to Spain and relax. Very nice. The world continues to evolve and the new norm isn't fully clear yet but what does remain constant is the core message from our friends at Bose. Stay calm stay centred and stay connected. Communication is key in everything we do and goes a long way to nurturing both ourselves and our relationships with others. So continue to talk about what matters to you and don't be afraid to block out unhelpful noise or indeed to embrace silence because doing both can be great. Some of the ways we work will have changed forever. Embrace that. Make those new ways work for you. Shape the new norm to suit you. Feel more, do more, be more with Bose. Uh, what about the other influences in your life? I'm interested in your friendship, relationship, the dynamic with Fernando, because um, I don't know if you remember this, but we did a track parade, you, me and Fernando, in Barcelona. And it, I think it was your first ever home race. And you were wearing a baseball cap. We were throwing baseball caps into the crowd. Ah. And you were wearing a baseball cap. And he took it off your head and threw it in. And you said to me, oh, my God, that's like my lucky cap. I've had that forever. And we were, like, climbing over fences to try and get that cap back. I remember, I remember. And I, re oh. I remember that in the end, a guy from uh, Mallorca kept it and sent it back to me. Uh, because he knew how important that cap was for me. And uh, he contacted me via Twitter and we managed to get a hold of him and I managed to get the cap back like two months later during the summer. And um, it was quite funny, actually. And uh, I remember that day uh, and that first Spanish Grand Prix. Yeah, I remember wondering whether it was a complete accident by Fernando or maybe he was just trying to assert his authority as the big boss and you were just like coming up through the ranks. I don't know. but. Um, Tell me about no, the. It was. Let me tell you about it. it yeah, was, go 
You know, normally Formula driver, Formula One drivers, we get a lot of caps to wear during a, a yeah. year. And I might have 10, 12 caps available for me for the whole year. Uh, so probably Fernando was thinking that that was his, like one more cup in my, in my cupboard and, I were, and he could just throw it away. But he didn't know that that cup was the cup that I had been using during my World Series year. Oh. That only cup that I keep washing every time I could because it was getting very used. And, um, and the cup that I, of my first year in Formula One and I didn't want to lose it. It was a special cup and it had given me luck. And when he threw it, he couldn't understand why I was so worried about the cup. Oh my God. I mean, I actually felt sick for you at the time. Did you feel nervous until you got it back in your hands? Were you like, that's my luck? I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I felt like uh, the race was not going to go to plan after losing the cup, but immediately I realized how stupid sometimes human beings are with these lucky charms and things. And it just has nothing to do about that cup. Or I just, it's a nice cup because I won a championship and my first race on Formula One with it, but it was no lucky lucky charm or anything like that in the end. We are all the same. Don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> now, it's interesting though with Fernando because I know that he was a big reason why you wanted to get into Formula One in the first place and you met him back in 2005. How did it feel then when you succeeded him at McLaren? I mean, that must have been almost surreal for you. Yeah, I mean, my story with Fernando is, uh, it goes quite a long way back when I met him when I was 10, 11 years old in Barcelona and he became my my hero, my reference and I wanted to be like Fernando Alonso when I was 10, 11. So first of all, to go to the Spanish Grand Prix in 2015, uh, 10, 11 years after that and race in the Spanish Grand Prix where I had met him 10 years ago and race in front of everyone and next to him. I remember qualifying fifth in my first ever Spanish Grand Prix. Um, that was incredible. And then to succeed him and McLaren, well, it was quite a tough ask, you know, and quite a tough situation to go into a team where they've just lost a double world champion like Fernando. But to be fair, everything went so good that I, yeah, it just felt like a natural, you know, and, uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. Because it's interesting to me how you've kind of zigzagged your way across the paddock through your career. <laughs> Every decision, though, has turned out pretty well. So I know that some may not have been intentional moves but it has worked out that it's sort of built your stock if you like within the paddock um obviously going from toro rosso to renault was was that nerve-wracking in any way leaving the, the kind of comfort if you like of the red bull family after you know you'd been there so long it was indeed it was a, a tough decision probably also a bit of a criticized decision at the time also especially how Everyone in the or the bosses in the Red Bull family reacted to it. Um, I think I had my reasons behind. Uh, it turned out to be good for my career, but I, we cannot forget that thanks to Red Bull, it's it's why I'm in Formula One. And I've always been grateful to to Helmut Marko, Christian Horner, and everyone in Red Bull because they were the ones who gave me the opportunity to be a Formula One driver and to prove myself in in Formula One. Then the steps through Renault to McLaren, in the end, what counts are, are, is the results, you know. And, and I had a very good year in 2019 with McLaren to finally find that stability with McLaren that I was looking for to have my first two-year contract really gave me that extra confidence and that extra boost to try and settle into a team, which I never had done, had done before. 
coming to live to near the factory, getting to know a team properly, trying to work on a mid to long term plan. Everything worked uh, worked really well, and that's what has given me that extra stability and probably those extra better results. I mean, honestly, though, when you were leaving Renault, you can't have imagined for one minute you would have had such a great year with McLaren. I don't know. I spoke to you just as you were making that move and you said that you wanted to be part of a new era for the team. But it really has surpassed even those expectations, hasn't it? Yeah, well, starting by turning it around so greatly like the team did last year, creating a car from scratch and finishing fourth in the constructors, getting our first podium in, I don't know how many years, six years. Um, all that, I think it's a, a result of the hard work that we put on the winter of 2019, or that the team and I, we put together all this time, um, the bonding and the relationship with the engineers, with, uh, with everyone involved in this project. And, um, and yeah, I felt extremely proud because after 2018, everything was looking dark inside the very dark inside McLaren, but I had confidence after what I've seen during that winter that that team was changing, that team was turning things around and that gave us confidence going into a season and now we are in a much better position. And how much influence has Seidel had on that? Because he seems to have brought structure, if you like. Would that be fair? I mean, it's quite a simplistic way of looking at it, but he, he seems to have that winning mentality. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean... First of all, I think we need to give a lot of price to Zach because Zach was the one to acknowledge that there was a big problem in, in 2018 inside the team. And he was the one to, to decide that we need to start from scratch, from zero, and start signing people like Andreas, like James, putting probably also Andrea Stella in a more uh, head position, you know. And um, Zach was the one who took that strategy decision and, and, and take that uh, not gamble, but take that important decision. So first of all, a lot of price has to be given to Zach. Then since the arrival of um, of Andreas, you can see how the team has got organized a lot better. Everyone is a lot more clear in the positions they have inside the team and, and the jobs they have to, to, to perform. And um, the team is now well up and running. Unfortunately, we had this COVID crisis that is unfortunately going to affect us like everyone but uh, it, it arrived in a very tricky moment for McLaren but uh, apart from that I think we have the best people to go through it the best people taking decisions at the top and now it's it's time to to get through it as best as we can and keep uh, keep pushing. There's such a great energy in McLaren um, I do think that Zach's passion is almost palpable isn't it I think that the fact that he's such a fan of the sport really helps <laughs> everybody there's so, <laughs> so much positive energy isn't there? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. It is uh, extremely positive. Uh, and Zach, uh, you know, I have a call with him every week and uh, we get to talk a lot about motorsport. We go and play golf. I played already twice golf with him with, since I was in the UK. Uh, and uh, he's just super, super, super encouraged. You know, with the project, he's super motivated. He's happy. Uh, and yeah, he's a, a motorsport and a Formula One fan, but uh, he just loves the sport. Yeah. It's kind of sad that you're leaving, really, isn't it? It is. <laughs> I, I am a bit sad uh, because the relationship we have with the people here is is very strong, and um, and I've never had that in other teams before. So it it does makes me particularly sad. Uh, that's why also I did the the video I did in social media because I felt like I needed some kind of explanation and some kind of yeah a moment to tell everyone how am i actually gonna miss them because they are they are very special people very important people in my career and um and without them pretty much also the ferrari opportunity wouldn't have come no because that in mclaren i've i think i've managed to be the best version of myself and uh, it's also thanks to them for sure well, in your defense, I don't think there's a driver out there that wouldn't accept the call from Ferrari. So I think it's <laughs> safe in the knowledge. Yeah, that's a good defense. Yeah. In the Pink and Bows want to support you in whatever way we can during these uncertain and constantly evolving times. So we're giving away more noise-canceling headphones to bring some added calm to your life. To win the headphones, just tag in the three friends you're most looking forward to reconnecting with once lockdown is fully lifted. Always include the hashtag Bose and those headphones could be yours. Good luck and stay connected. Um, now, the, the relationship that you have grown with Lando has been uh, incredible. Something that, I mean, you, I don't even think you'd met him, had you, before you started... Um, with the team, but you seem nope, to I mean, running. You seem to complement each other so well. Yeah, I met him for the first time in November 2018 when we both joined the team and when we went to do like a first. Well, I joined the team. He knew the team back then, but we had our first meeting together with other people of the team, uh, engineers, uh, bosses, etc. And at the time when I met him, I, I kind of saw him and I said, "Oh, this guy is a bit shy." I talked a lot more than he has talked. Maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe he's a bit shy. But immediately after that, uh, you could clearly see that he's not shy at all. He's just easygoing and uh, and good fun to have. Besides, you in a Formula One team. 
Do you know, he did this podcast with me um, just before you announced you were going to Ferrari. And I said, you know, if, if it is Carlos who's going, how are you going to feel? He goes, oh, no, 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 no. It'll be too sad. Don't say that. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. Like his brother is leaving the team. Yeah, he, he texted me on Instagram in the post that I, about the, the video that I did saying that he was a lake. <laughs> a lake of tears uh, in Spanish, <laughs> but I didn't understand it. He said, soy lago. And in Spanish, to say soy lago means I'm a lake. So I couldn't understand why he says I'm a lake. And then I caught it and I said, ah, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it was a funny reaction. But in fairness, even if you emotional. Yeah, if you said I'm a lake in English, I'm not sure anyone would really know what you meant. Maybe That's why I, <laughs> I, I was like, why do you comment on my emotive post that you are a lake? I mean, that's very weird, Lando. I know you're weird, but not that much. <laughs> he has a weird way of looking at the world, doesn't he? Bless him. Yeah. And what about other it's friends? In, what about other friends in the paddock? It, I always wonder how easy it is to be friends with your competitors. But are you pals with anyone else up and down the paddock? I know much was made at the time when you were at Toro Rosso about your relationship with Max, but I think you two seem to get on pretty well, don't you? Yeah, I think if you if you follow a bit Drivers Parade, you can see how in Drivers Parade there's still some groups forming, not always. And I, I don't know, I get on pretty well with everyone. I must say that I I don't uh, throw my relationships out of the of the paddock because let me explain myself. So my rivalries inside the track they don't. Um, apply to my friendships outside the track you know I still think I can get on pretty well with everyone and then still have that hunger to to overtake everyone if I have to and and bump into everyone if I have to in one moment in in a race no so uh, that doesn't apply and I feel I have a good relationship with Max I get on particularly well with Checo with Danny Kvyat because he's been my teammate for very long with Lando of course Nico Hulkenberg I had a great relationship I get on well with Daniel, Ricciardo, Charles. I actually knew him pretty well from uh, from last year and his first year in F1. So, yeah, just easy going, nothing special. I think it's interesting because while some people would argue it takes away the competitive edge between two races, if you're pals, I think the other reality is, is there's, you guys have a lot more in common than perhaps anyone realises. You've gone through very similar... Um, upbringings, you come through karting, you've, a lot of you have been away from home, been separated from your families for big chunks of your careers. So you actually, there's a, there's a camaraderie there, isn't there? There is a bit, there's a lot of, I think a lot more respect than what people think. I mean, I respect my, my fellow drivers a lot because I know how tricky, how difficult or how tough it is to get to Formula One. And already to be in Formula One is, is a huge success for any one of us. And um, and I respect them because of that. I know how much they had to sacrifice, how much they had to fight for it. And I have a lot of respect for them to that. And there's, I think, behind our competitive minds, there's that that real respect between each other, you know. We also know how quick we are and we know how risky it is what we actually do because we are the only ones who know how fast a Formula 1 car is and how serious can an accident be. So we have that inner respect inside us, inside all that camaraderie and that um, uh, joking around that we all re always have and that then those little uh, situations that we have sometimes when, when you have a bad moment with some of your fellow drivers and you have a bit of a, 
uh, uh, not a fight, but you know, one of those tricky moments in the race, and you criticize them in the media. After all that, you you still respect them because you know what they've been through. Yeah, absolutely. I just want to pick out a couple of things from your career so far. Your debut in Formula One was a great one. I remember it well. Um, do you look back <laughs> on that with real fondness? Yeah, I remember a lot from that weekend actually, uh, because. Your first race in Formula One is a dream come true, and you have a lot of images, a lot of flashes of of that of that first weekend. And the way it went for me was nearly ideal. Um, yeah, uh, qualifying into Q3, starting the race seventh, getting up to fifth at the start, then having a forty second pit stop, but still <laughs> managing to finish in the points. Uh, still, you know, all those things are uh, still very very fresh in my memory and I and I will never forget that weekend and another weekend that you clearly won't forget to go from the very beginning of your F1 career right until the latest moment latest installment was obviously that podium in Brazil um to go from 20th up to fourth and then pre-promoted to the podium I mean that was bonkers wasn't it it was it was especially because I was very downbeat on Saturday night I was starting last, we had no pace on Friday, so the race was going to be a boring one, very hot, no rain around in Interlagos, which means not much to do. Uh, starting last with no pace, as I said, we changed the engine. And already in the lap street grid, I felt like hmm, the car balance is a lot better than on Friday. We haven't changed much, but somehow the wind and the track temperature is helping this balance. And I'm going into a race, and after five laps, I've overtaken five cars, and I feel like an adrenaline rush of, okay, it could be a good day, let's keep pushing. And then when I finish fourth with a safety car and all that mess, and then uh, be promoted to third, two hours later, <laughs> it was incredible. Uh, and yes, something that I will never forget. But also Abu Dhabi, I think, was very special. The last two races last year were very special. Both. Do you know, you touched on something there about the variables and the fact that the weather, you know, something as incremental as that, um, created different balance for your car. How does that feel as a driver to, to have to adapt to that extent so you can go from hero to zero and back again because of external influences that are beyond your control? Is that just par for the course? Do you just have to accept that that is part of racing? Yeah, normally the best reset in that sense is the sleep. For me that day, I didn't even want to go for dinner. I fell down a bit. I slept eight hours and then the morning after it's just incredible how the human brain reacts and, and uh, resets itself. And I was like so motivated on Sunday. I had nothing to lose. I was starting last. I was still seventh in the championship. I had gone through a great year and I said, let's just enjoy the race. I have nothing to lose. And suddenly that day, the feeling was just completely different. And I actually remember meeting uh, my main sponsor, uh, President, the CEO, uh, from Austria, Galicia, and he told me that day, I think today you're going to make a podium. And I went to him and said, like, come on, uh, I'm starting last, it's impossible. I mean, I was very motivated, but not so much to, like, to know that I was going to do a podium. And he kept telling me during that weekend that I was going to make a podium, and in the end, I made it, and he managed to get into the podium with me to celebrate with Austria, Galicia beer. <laughs> so it was great. <laughs> but it was like a bold prediction. That's unbelievable. Can you ask him what the lottery numbers are going to be this weekend, please? 
<laughs> I already asked him, but I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> no, but, but do you no, know? I, I know that some people will say, "Oh, you know, it was a shame he didn't actually get to go on the podium." But I actually think having your own little podium with the team was more special. It's more memorable in a way. It is more special, definitely. I still want a normal podium. Uh, I want to leave the normal ceremony, but at least I can say I had a podium for myself, uh, which normally you don't get many many of those probably none and um, get to share it with with all my engineers with all my mechanics sponsors uh, bosses it was great I mean I cannot complain at all great stuff um, listen before you go I just want to know how the rest of this year obviously it's going to be so strange and different to anything we've known before but you're obviously making that transition from McLaren a team that you clearly love and I remember talking to Zach after you announced you were leaving he said it's one of those weird situations where everyone is actually happy and it's that's a rare thing in f1 where every driver is happy about the movement and the teams are giving you their full blessing to leave and want you to go on and do well but in terms of actually racing how do you make the transition from one team to the other because you've done it before yeah i've done a lot of transitions <laughs> so i know how it works unfortunately <laughs> But this time, um, this time I think it's going to be smooth. I think it's, uh, I think it's going to be very easy going. You you need to. I think everyone is McLaren, in McLaren can be hundred percent sure that until the last lap of the last race or the last event of the year, I'm going to be a McLaren driver pushing flat out for McLaren, be fully focused on the McLaren job. Uh, and then when it's that's over, I will focus on Ferrari. But I don't want one thing to interfere with the other. I am fully committed to this project, to this team. I want to finish on a high and I'm going to keep my absolute best. And then it will, there will be time to, to think about Ferrari and to start preparing the next season with Ferrari, which for sure it will have its challenges and you know, it's not going to be easy at all. But, um, but at least I need to try and finish on a high on, on McLaren. Uh, it's crazy to think that you're still only 25, but you have been around in the sport for quite a few years now. And you seem, certainly from the outside looking in, quite a different driver, you know, complete and calm and more confident. Is that, is that how it feels? Do you feel like with every transition, as we've discussed, you've grown and you've learned? I mean, I know that's inevitable, but do you feel like you're there now that you can just start delivering result after result because you know yourself better than anything than you ever have? Yeah, I think you've touched on a very uh, strong point there. I think it's knowing yourself and knowing your strengths and weaknesses, admitting them and, and trying to develop as a, as a driver. Um, I've gone through very tough moments in Formula One and very good moments also. Uh, but knowing yourself and knowing how to improve them and, uh, and correct them is, is, the, is the most important bit to try and improve. You know, everyone in Formula One, year after year is gaining experience and is improving. You just need to improve more than others uh, or at a higher rate than others. Uh, for me, in, in this case, in, in Formula One, I've been pushing flat out. Uh, I've been going through very tough moments, as I said, but at the same time, I felt like I had never given the opportunity to settle into a team, as I said before. And that makes a lot of difference for your confidence and for your stability. And the first time I've been given this opportunity in McLaren, it's worked well. And now I'm going to try and find that everywhere I go. So how would you describe yourself? Maybe in three words. 
Oh, I hate describing myself, Natalie. I absolutely hate it. You can describe it, and I say if I agree or not. Yeah, well, I think I think you are calm. I think you're quite Apparently. a you're quite a measured person. I feel like you kind of you. I don't feel like you miss a trick. You're constantly taking things in, so you're quite perceptive. Like yeah, you, some people say I overthink things sometimes. Ah, well, so okay, that's interesting. You're right. You're right. So and I think about passionate. everything. I try to keep everything. Yeah. You're clearly passionate without letting the passion bubble over into a temper or into something that you're not in complete control of as well. Yeah. I mean, in that side, for example, my dad is a bit more temperamental. Yeah. Talking a bit about the differences. He, he's a, he has a lot more, like, uh, I don't know how to call it. It's temper. Yeah, I think it's temper. And um and I'm I have my temper inside, but I don't show it. I don't know why. It must be a personality thing, but I have it inside. Yeah, I think yeah, we would say in England you're like a swan, you're gliding over the surface, but your little legs are going like that underneath, but no one else can see. <laughs> Never thought about that. Maybe only really yeah. you know. Only really you know. Uh listen, yeah. it's been so lovely talking to you. Um I hope Austria goes well. I'll see you in Budapest. And um thank you for your time. No worries. Thank you a lot, Natalie. I've enjoyed it and um, let's talk soon. See you in Budapest. Thank you so much, Carlos. Lovely to have a bit of time with you. Actually, very kind of relaxed, calm time before the craziness of the next few weeks. Now, don't get me wrong. I can't wait to get racing again. And we all want to be busy with work again. Uh, but there's no doubt that this felt like a little pocket of calm to reflect on Carlos's career, which clearly is going from strength to strength. Um, he's such a great asset to Formula One, to the F1 paddock, to the F1 family. And so it was great to get a bit of time out and um, chat before the next few weeks of racing, which is going to be six races in eight weeks. Wowzers. But you lot can't wait, can you? so much to get your teeth into not just in the racing world but beyond here on in the pink including a chat with jason plato coming up very soon and your chance to still win those bose noise cancelling headphones all you need to do is tag in two or three friends who you're most looking forward to seeing again having a beer with glass of wine or just a good old chin wag with once the lockdown is well and truly behind us and add the hashtag Bose. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe to this podcast because building a community around it is so important. And actually having you guys as a little community around me and my producer Tom has been lovely throughout the last few months. So thank you for your company and make sure you remain connected with us and Bose for the next few weeks and months because there's loads more great guests on the way here on In The Pink. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.